Welcome to Speak Sex. I am your host, Eve Eurydice, and today's episode is about uh, God and the body <laughs> uh, and, and womanhood. And my guest is Renee Steinke. She's a, a novelist, an American author of uh, three novels The Fires, Holy Skirts, Friendswood. Welcome to the show, Renee. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here, Eurydice. Yeah, me too. I'm glad we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. So you and yeah. I have had conversations, you know, through the years, through the many years about, you know, different aspects of this topic because um, we're both feminists and we're both um, aware of like the religious impulse and, and respectful of it, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think our work is you know, de defined by that search as well. You know, the, the sense of like the artist as a shaman or priest or, um, um, you know, revelatory being or vessel, right? And the mm -hmm. sense of like art as the kind of crucible where we can, al you know, people can alchemically me melt into one, right? Um, which requires faith <laughs> and trust. <laughs> and, and we live in a yeah. moment where there is, you know, like a huge deficit of trust. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's just so beautifully said. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I was thinking I wanted to start with um, this feeling that I have that, the, that, you know, the 21st century like began with 9-11 basically um, and has proceeded you know, to go to go through like landscapes of death, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that are only mitigated by like the illusion of ma mass culture, right? But we've gone through um, a lot of war, uh, mm -hmm. a, a lot of like elective war, as as you know, as we say, elective surgery. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in Iraq, in Afghanistan, uh, in you know, in Libya, and many other places, which war, war that has caused a lot of migratory migratory change and social upheaval. So, like nine eleven, then all the wars, kind of maybe in response to it, and then you know, straight from that. Uh, COVID-19 and that, you know, that landscape of death um, mm -hmm. and uncertainty and then, uh, you know, war in Ukraine now, which is like Europe, which feels to those of us who are more Eurocentric, like, you know, even closer to nuclear war. Mm -hmm. um, and in the middle of all of that, w you know, we keep like mitigating the shock that is like death and... and, and um, and mortality, which is like the shock of, of our consciousness, uh, through uh, dream states, right? Through like uh, the blockchain <laughs> and NFT and like the internet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so... Mm -hmm. yeah, the religious impulse has mm -hmm. to go somewhere, right? Like the, the... Right, so like it's like post, you know, it's like pre-enlightenment in all those past centuries, you know, humans like invoke the gods or the saints, you know, for help. And they, you know, hoped for redemption in the other world, you know, hoped for like spiritual, you know, transformation, you know, like through all, I mean, a, a, a for some form of magic, you know, and the religions changed from the more natural to the more like Abrahamic but basically, mm -hmm. but basically, um, we we've given that up. I think you know, f like with the industrial age, and and now like magic has been transplanted by science and math and commerce, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and it's a poverty. I mean, I, th I feel that we are in in like a civilizational decline as a result of that. So what do you think? Well, well, I guess I've been really noticing, um, especially in the past two years, a real um, hunger for spirituality hmm. that seems to get expressed in 
um, ways that seem to, I mean, because so many people have been wounded by their upbringing in the church or, or, or just by, you know, or they just have issues with all of the, some of the terrible things the church has done or other religions have, have done. Um, I'm speaking, you know, since I was raised uh, Christian, I'm going to probably speak, I'm going to have to speak from that center, but um, so I don't want to speak for other faiths, but certainly there's a, you know, there's a certain distrust of institutional religion. And a lot of people, you know, like a lot of people say, I'm spiritual, but not religious, right? You know, um, what does that mean, really? I'm spiritual, but not religious. And there's, um, you know, and I'm not dismiss. I don't want to dismiss all of these attempts, but I, I, I'm not dismissing them at all. I think they're very earnest, but but there's a way in which they seem to be some things, such as you know, meditation, for instance. Um, corporations are now, you know, sometimes because they understand that meditation and quieting the mind and trying to be in touch with something other than oneself, some kind of energy other than oneself is uh, helpful for a person. Corporations are using meditation in their, you know, workplaces. And so there's a, there's a way in which these, some of these practices are getting completely divorced from any kind of uh, tradition. And yeah. I'm, I'm interested in that. I wonder about it. Um, uh, and I also think about, some of the, you know, when I was um, young, when you and I were younger, there was there was a lot of um, satirizing things like horoscopes and the, you know, the practice of looking to crystals and um, thinking about color, thinking about, you know, there's a lot of satirizing of these kinds of. Um, you use the word magic. I don't know. I don't know if. Um, if you would use that word to describe these things, these practices, but ways in which people are searching for some kind of link to some kind of spiritual energy, let's just say. And um, now I think that um, people aren't satirizing those things so much, but there's a way in which they, they, um, they just seem to be kind of floating out there. Do you know what I mean? Just kind of, they're um, just yeah. kind of almost like a mosaic and, and, and in, in a kind of chaotic way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that people are really um, hungering for a kind of way to make meaning out of all of this death that they're experiencing, all this grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, with the Ukrainian war and COVID and, you know, many other things going on, it feels, it can feel overwhelming mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to be able to, to be able to take in what's happening in the world and deal with just being human, you know, all the things that are just hard about being in the world. Um, yeah. So yeah. I've been thinking about this and I've been, I've just been thinking about, um, uh, what happens to the religious impulse um, and, you know, where does it go when the institutions aren't working anymore? Um, I saw, and, you know, I saw on the internet uh, last week that a church, I think it was a Methodist church, I'm not positive, but uh, a church had a gun on the altar. No. Yeah. <laughs> the Church of Guns. <laughs> I just found this like horrific, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess at the same time, there's this, you know, clamping down on dogma in in the churches, in some churches. Um, that's yeah. really Well, it's hard. an interesting dilemma because, you know, on one hand, I mean, I'm first generation and I've stayed in America because... Uh, I came from a very, you know, like fanatic monoculture, right? So like everyone was an Orthodox Christian. Uh, My my grandfather was a priest as your father was Mm -hmm. a minister. 
But right. the, the big difference is that we, you know, we didn't get Luther, we didn't get, we still had like the same ancient Byzantine in, in, as we do now, you know, the same like ceremonial robes that the emperor, Byzantine emperor wore, you know, were worn by my grandpa, like on the island of Lesbos, right? So all of the, all of the customs, the words um, had remained the same. I mean, I have from him books from like, you know, 1610, right, with like wow. blessings to be read. Um, so there is some, there is, of course, in that continuity, there is a, a beauty and power of identity, which mm-hmm. in America we seem to like be hungry for. But on mm-hmm. the other hand, it's very oppressive because, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the individual just feels, uh, you know, out of voice or choice so for me Mm -hmm. like when I came here um it was it was so liberating and exciting and beautiful to see how many churches there were and how different and how anybody could basically well any any group of people (laughs) could basically start (laughs) a church you know and like it was uh you know the the yogis (laughs) had churches and you know, like um, there were Christian churches of any any imaginable thing, and that was the reason for America in a sense, right? The, the first, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Puritans, the Pilgrims, and uh, many of them originally came for religious freedom more mm-hmm. than for economic, you know, success, <laughs> which yeah. which we have come to misunderstand, you know, but. Um, but I think that the two, you know, so what happens in America is is an ex- the other extreme. Everything gets fractured and it gets, you know, it becomes too quickly because it, it, because it lacks, lacks like that profound rooting, you know, system. It gets very quickly like, um, you know, commercialized or, you know, mm-hmm. monetized or, you know, it becomes pop. Um, and well, then I think uh, once again we're looking for new meaning you know like yeah. uh, for, in the eastern religions or in the evangelical because you want to be born again because like the institution mm-hmm. that you were following you know and up to now seems very sclerotic or, but then they become sclerotic and then mm-hmm. you know it's just kind of like as soon as y- you, it, you give them power they seem to to take it which is at least in the Christian tradition, like, uh, you know, the opposite of what Christ preached, and we all know right. that. <laughs> but no right, one is really right. able to right. stick to That's, it. <laughs> right, right. That's a, that is a real quandary. I mean, I do think in America there is a tradition of rootedness. Yeah. And there is a tradition of um, uh, openness even. You know, in, um, it, some, pe- some Christians, um, my father was more of the progressive kind of minister, more the progressive kind of Christian who really looked to, you know, the radical side of Jesus and the, the open part of his message and the, um, you know, the embracing part and the, you know, not the homophobic, not the opposite of homophobia and the opposite of um, anti-woman. Um, but I do think that tradition insofar as it exists in America, doesn't get very much, uh, doesn't get portrayed very much in the common parlance of the media, because it's not, um, it's not, it's not, it's not making news. It's not, it's not fighting. Um, it, it, it's not, um, aggressively fighting things. It's, um, you know, just people trying to do the best they can to, you know, yeah, uh, help others here and there. You know, it's not it's not a it's not a coordinated, dramatic. Um, I shouldn't say it's not coordinated. It is coordinated, but it's not a, it's not dramatically, dogmatically stating things like, um, you know, we don't believe women should have control over their bodies. Or, right. Yeah. Um, we think people should have guns. You know. You know. It's not. It's not dramatically connecting to this um politics which is which is actually anti-christian so right um it it doesn't get it doesn't so there i do think it exists but it's um a lot of people don't know about it um 
And what do and, you and think, like, what's the place for feminism in that? Well, you know, there's another, something I've been, I, now I'm not an expert on this at all, but I've been trying to read more feminist theology. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think um, there are, one one practice in feminist theology, for example, is to to think about all of you know the um, so the the scriptures were put together by men, right? So, and you know we have all of these scrolls, right? We have all of these ancient scrolls that had various accounts of Christ's life. You you know, you've heard of the Gnostic Gospels, that mm-hmm. you know, right? So we have all of these, and you know what what got to what was included in the canon was decided of course by men so what does that mean in terms of the shape of how we see things and um you know for example there's a gospel of mary magdalene um that i read recently there are more copies of that gospel than i think any other one but it didn't make it into the canon um it also supposedly is, I don't know if this is true, but I read that the first few pages of that gospel are torn out in every single copy. Wow. Which I find really interesting. Wow. Really fascinating. Yeah. And, um, I, and then, um, but just in terms of, pra- the, you know, the practice of, of thinking about, um, you know, there there have been things like using non-gendered language for God. There have been there's a there's a practice of thinking about all of the silences in the um, stories where you know there might be a woman present, but we don't know what she said. But you know, imagine you know, in order to fully think about the place of women in those stories, we may need to imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, from the context and from what we can find out, what they would have said, what they might have said, mm-hmm. um, what their perspective might have been. Um, and I, I, I just really, I find this really fascinating. And of course, now I think there are more female ministers in, in the Protestant tradition. Anyway, there are more female ministers probably now than there ever have been, or I should say female identified. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there are also um people who identify as trans who are ministers Mm -hmm. and um that is going to change things you know and and i also think ironically one of the reasons why that's happening is because it's not a profession that it's not a profession with a lot of as much respect and prestige as it used to have so Mm -hmm. it's a place where women can Mm -hmm. make their you know more easily enter Mm -hmm. yeah what do you think um <laughs> uh i i think that you know religion if it's not going to be institutionalized which like i equate with corrupt <laughs> and, yeah. and oppressive it it has to be um you know rebellious it it has to yeah. be um almost uh, um transgressive right uh, right or, or, or heretic <laughs> right so right. and it's kind of like the this how the cycle works the uh, i think it's, i think it's time for you know a scapegoat <laughs> uh you know uh, oh, what do you mean what who, do you mean who, by who, that? Will, who will like you know i mean not necessarily one person but uh, who will appear to be one you know representative of of some sort of you know, movement of people who, you know, have profound religious needs and a pure religious needs and, you know, will reclaim faith again, you know, in, mm-hmm. in some way. And mm-hmm. what we do, you know, as a, like as a culture, as, as not even a culture, you know, like as a pack is mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we, we, we cleanse all of these, you know, we um, we're, we're now under extreme pressure, right? So we mm-hmm. have had the thesis, and now we've broken into so many antitheses. Let's say, if I could say that, you know, in terms of culture, and I think that the way for us to synthesize will be uh, painful, 
and and that's mm-hmm. how transformation works you know transformation hurts like you know mm-hmm. read of it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so <laughs> so um sooner or later there will be a, a, a prophet if we want to use those words but those are judo christian words so i wasn't you know mm-hmm. i'm not necessarily like thinking that specifically but i do think that um we're going to rediscover our, our you know like worship and you know and and faith um soon. outside yeah, yeah outside the, the, the outside the, of institutions it sounds that like we know like right think, that we yeah. know and outside like the names <laughs> uh-huh. that we know but i don't know you know yeah it's uh and i and i think that you know will will recognize it right because right now there is just such a mess um it it feels to me very much like you know the breakup of an empire which has happened a few times before mm-hmm. and um so you know we're, i think that like as a as a civilization we're in shock you know <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a place for art in that, you know, because oh, I think like just, the yeah. genius of art is this kind of like revelation that like, you know, um, the contradictions don't exist, right? That the contradictions mm-hmm. are just like in our minds, mm-hmm. uh, in our perception, but not um, actual, right? So mm-hmm. I, I do think that like... Um, religious people and creative people you know are kind of like at the forefront of this and Mm -hmm. you know this Mm -hmm. this. and there's a lot of talk you know like even when you look out around at like life coaches or you know Mm -hmm. um, yes everybody's talking about like transformation and and alchemy and you know like everybody's trying to find you know a, a path to change so yeah there's a big hanging yeah, from it yeah yeah a lot of that language i guess seems like repurposed language from the church and kind of, right. kind of sanitized and sometimes it gets corporatized in a way that makes me very uncomfortable but um yeah <laughs> uh, i mean i'd <laughs> yeah. rather yeah i'd rather be if we're going to choose institutions I'd, I'd some you know I, I wouldn't well maybe i shouldn't put it that way I just, uh, if, 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 we, if there has to be an institution, I'd rather choose a, you know, progressive, um, flawed church to a corporation if we're going to have to put this yeah. in, in some kind of institution. Yeah. Um, and, um, but I have been thinking a lot about the relationship because art really, you know, forces you to remake yourself, rethink yourself, re-see things, ask questions. Right, it's the opposite of dogma. Mm-hmm. Right, um, it, it's propaganda if it's dogma. And you know what is, insofar as religion is about making meaning. Um, you know what part of that is asking questions as well? What is that? You know what part of what part of that is related to is related to art? Um, mm-hmm. And you know I don't I don't I don't know if you can I don't even know if we could put it into words. But uh, I told you that I'm in- really interested in this artist, Hilma Ofklint, mm-hmm. um, who um, her, her dates are roughly, you know, late, late 19th century. I think she died in the 40s. Um, and um, some people think she was the first, truly the first abstract, uh, abstract artist. Hmm. Um, and she... Um, was involved with uh, Rudolf Steiner um, and theosophy, but she was also a practicing Christian. She didn't see a contradiction there. But 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 one of the ways she got to abstraction was, and and she was frustrated with institutions, and she was a successful artist doing um, you know more naturalistic kinds of work, and um, she was. Uh, you know, she do botanical drawings and things like that. She was in botanical. She did illustrations for botanical texts. Um, and then she um, got very interested in in theosophy and 
she was doing seances with these other women who were called the five and the spirits um, just told her what to paint. She thought she just felt, she felt like she was truly just getting this, you know, she was just a medium and it was coming through her and that changed, that changed her art. That's when she started um, making more abstract art. And, you know, you can see symbols in it. There are some religious symbols from all, from various cultures in her work, but it is, it is really amazing, like very mysterious um, and beautiful abstraction. Um, and she was not able to show it in her lifetime. People thought it was, you know, people were just weren't interested in it, or maybe they thought it was um, beyond the pale. Um, <clears throat> or maybe it's just because she was a woman, <laughs> she was dismissed. Mm-hmm. Um, but she thought that um, she, uh, towards, you know, towards the end of her life, or uh, she said, um, I don't want in, she gave up and she said, I don't want any, I, I, my work is too early. I don't want it shown at all uh, until at least 20 years after my death. <laughs> Seriously, like this is the, I'm making paintings that are for the future. Wow. And, nice. and the, and one of the chilling things is that she she drew a spiral study of um, of the place where she wanted to eventually show her work. I, I guess before she decided that it was you know way too early. She was way before her time. She drew this, uh, uh, but she drew this diagram of a spiral building. And the first major show, or you know, the first I think huge show of her work was at the Guggenheim in New York city a few years ago. And what is that building, but this spiral, you know, so it's kind of, um, prophetic. <laughs> yeah, it's prophetic. And I think it was a huge show. I mean, it was very big in New York. Um, but I think it was partly because of this spiritual hunger that we were just talking about. Mm, um, you know, yeah. it was during, it was during the Trump administration. And I just think a lot of, it was uh, totally, um, you know, the big, probably the biggest show in many years here. Um, so, um, uh, well, and she was yeah, before ahead. that, just sort of like an artist, artist, not, not as many people knew about her. Um, so, mm. yeah, no, but I, I think that for many of us, uh, I mean, we're not that maybe disciplined with it, but many, many experimental writers and artists, you know, use, uh, you know, like, uh, are you know, use downloads basically, where you are a vessel and you access mm-hmm. the, you know, like I've 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 worked with like tarot cards where I, you know, the tarot tells me like how to structure the writing or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, I've I definitely think that like embroidery is a meditative practice, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where you can even like hem, um, you know, like blessings in the uh, that's what my ancestors did so you know in the in the stitch um or you know the the incantation you know the incantatory writing i mean you know like look at ginsburg ginsburg was my teacher at naropa and and then Anne oh Waldman. really and it's all oh, incantation wow. you know um, yeah so yeah, I think but, that that's here. It's just we don't do it in such an official. Like she was able to say, or at least you know the people who described it were able to to make that direct connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your uh, this is interesting to me. So your ancestors, when they did embroidery, would almost like saying the rosary. They yeah, had yeah. Well, oh, the women. So I mean, only women did it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that's so interesting. You know, my grandmothers were very, very much into embroidery and my mother a little bit. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's a really beautiful, I think it's just a really beautiful thing that you, you are reclaiming and the way you are reclaiming it in your work. Yeah, well, that's why I'm doing it. You know, like it was very much, a, I, I didn't have like a, what's the word, you know, like an innate <laughs> uh, urge mm-hmm. to, to stitch. Um, but I did begin, you know, when I, when I actually, when I became pregnant and uh, mm-hmm. I, I felt that 
you know, calling because I remembered my grandmothers. I would stay with, you know, I would be on the balcony with them. And when there was no work work, we would sit there and stitch and talk and also like pray, you know, like say Psalms, basically not pray, you know, just like wow. re repeat the Psalms. And, um, yeah. and hours went by and people would walk by and uh, it was a way to kind of like count time, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I felt, you know, when I was pregnant, like time had slowed down so much and it was mm -hmm. a way to like uh, accept that uh, mm -hmm. instead of, you know, try to like control it with my like more masculine habits of time, you know, which mm -hmm. which were like get things done, <laughs> even mm -hmm. though like my body was like really getting bigger things done. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um but like I was not, I was not a natural. Like I, I you know, I enjoy drawing much more clearly. Um, I, but it did help me um, slow down. You know, it did. Uh -huh. I, 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 I realized in the process, and that's why I kind of stayed with it. That this teaching forced me to like slow down and get out of like, uh, you know, the, the time of this culture, basically. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, in that sense, it was more, it has been, it still is more like of a, like spiritual practice, let's say, than like mm -hmm. a job, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's, that's how I feel about writing most of the time too, or writing right. novels or, yeah. or, or yeah. stories. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, and you go to this place where time just kind of vanishes. Yeah. Um, or that's the ideal anyway. You know, and usually the writing goes better when you can get to that place. But if you can't get to that place, you try. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like out of body and. Well, that's the, you know, like, I mean, it's like trying to access the universal. You know, condition or consciousness yeah. or. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The place that's the place that is has more intelligence than your. Your consciousness. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Some, uh, um, uh, something else I've been uh, been um, thinking about more and trying to learn more about is is uh, Jung, and you know, so I guess he would use the word the collective unconscious for that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, but I have trouble with Jung's binaries. Um, I don't think I totally. I want to learn more about how that how how that works, but um, you know, I, the collect does the collective unconscious have these binaries in it, within it? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, yeah. You know, um, and you know that's obviously one really exciting thing that's happening now is we're breaking those down. And so, what is what does that mean in terms of? Uh, Jungian thought. I don't know. Something I'm curious about. Yeah, no, I'm I'm on the fence about all of that. Uh, but it it's it, it is very recent. So I don't know. You know, I don't. I really am on the fence. You know, my my. I don't have a solid view. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, like you know, I began with like you know, so super excitement over like you know gender non-binary mm -hmm. and gender bending mm -hmm. and you know i was like oh i was body dysmorphic when i was you know like mm -hmm. even a teenager so um you know i was i wanted to be a boy dressed as a boy i had a boy name i you know pretend to be a boy because so i i, I kind of that. like oh. yeah so i understand and it was very you know it was very exciting like the first time that or the first few times that i learned you know the span of our, you know, pronouns, and clearly it was like, oh yeah, you know, I want that one or that one, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I'm not uh, really convinced about the medicalization of it. So, well, mm -hmm. no, no, I'm not at all convinced about the med mm -hmm. medicalization of it. So I do have like, um, you know, it, it continues to be a dilemma for me. Oh, I just think that sometimes it is really, it can be life-saving. I think it can be life-saving um, to, to, um, to have the medical intervention. Um, 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, life saving from the point of view of like mental health, life saving. So, yes. of course, mm-hmm. none of us are talking about like, you know, having a fatal illness. <laughs> mm-hmm. We are talking mm-hmm. about the mental uh, disease, let's say, or, or, you know, sense of whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, but again, you know, like my question is because I think that we are in a generation, well, I definitely, because I come, you know, I came from like an old culture, right, where nothing changed. Yeah. So people were right. like, you know, working the land and my grandmas like, you know, were only black and followed their husbands and called them my master, right? So like, wow, my mom, really? ne- yeah, my mom never had wow. a job, never had a bank account, never drove to this day, right? All of that. So, wow. I seem to, you know, I've, I'm like at the, at the intersection almost <laughs> of like, uh, you know, the forties and now, <laughs> and 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 all of these, uh, you know, let's say developments. I don't call them developments, but all of these scientific developments have mm-hmm. happened all at once. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Um, I do wonder why they they happened um, mm-hmm. post like nuclear threat, right? So we were almost on the brink of like nuclear suicide, and then there is this explosion of like uh, technologies that are getting into the body. Um, so yeah, I am just interested in the phenomenon you know do, mm-hmm. if i ha- when i ha- when i was 14 if this had been available and discussed i would have changed for sure mm. um mm. um you know i mean i like i as i said you know i had a complete i i you know i hid my growing curves and dressed only as a boy i actually shaved my face <laughs> hoping that like I would huh. grow a beard and then I could get into uh, Mount Athos, which is like this monastery that only men were, were allowed to go in. I mean, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm sure looking back that a big part of it was that I didn't want to be associated with my gender, well, mm-hmm. my, my birth gender, um, and my dad had always encouraged that, right? So my dad would be like, let's leave the women and children behind and you and I go on our, you know, and uh, adventures. Mm. And mm. so he treated me as his son. He didn't have one. Right. And then right. his friends did as well. <laughs> so I was always hanging out with the older men, so to speak, including like the male teachers when I, when they started having. So um, I think I kind of like w- was shocked when my body, you know, uh, w- without my, like consent, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, started mm-hmm. developing in ways that made me a, a, a you know, like a hot chick on the streets. And it, it was just, it yeah. made no sense to me. You know, people would like cut call, you know, this is Greece also. There was a lot of like response to, <laughs> to like, yeah. uh, whatever, physical attraction. And it was very um, discombobulating and disconcerting and, and, you know, confusing and painful for a long time. At some point, I came to understand that I could use that to get away from my dad. That, you know, I had so many other takers, whoever they were, (laughs) right? I could just, Mm -hmm. like, get him to emancipate me and leave home. So Mm -hmm. my attitude toward it changed some, but it changed only by, through alienation, right? So it, mm-hmm. my my attitude changed because I was no longer my body. So I could kind of like use this body that I didn't identify with anymore. <laughs> you know, use this like sexy, attractive, whatever it was, you know, to to no longer be a kid and, and acquire like some other sort of... Um, um, sorry some other sort of like value uh, for myself mm-hmm. and sense of mm-hmm. identity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it did take me another like 
at least decade or more. I think that it was only when I, I conceived, you know, unexpectedly that I understood, you know, like my gender and I embraced it um, and it made sense to me. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been in peace with it ever since, in great peace with it ever since. But it made, you know, I understood it like profoundly. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. what I'm saying is I, I probably none of that, like I would have uh, taken advantage of everything that was available at that age. And I don't know whether it would have served me, whether, um, I mean, it, you know, it might, it, it might have prevented like a lot of, uh, you know, anxiety and depression and mental suffering. But, but, you know, does does anything? <laughs> I mean, there can always be something else that, you know, we clash with our culture and, and suffer as a result. Yeah, I mean, I'm just sympathetic to what I've seen some of, some of my um, students and um, other people go through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so do you think that we're moving into, um, how do you think that's changing our society? Um, you mean the, just, just the whole, the whole array of genders that we're, we are now thinking about or that we're now, that we're now finally recognizing? Is that what you mean? Or... Uh, no, I mean, I mean, more specifically, the the you know the 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 changes, the the the, 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 the actual the biomedical, um, yeah, the hormonal and and, and surgical. Um, um, I think, I think maybe it's emphasizing the relationship between the mind and the body. Um. And um, just a kind of, I think there's a kind of, uh, at least in this part of the country, where, you know, I live in New York City, so I recognize this is not all of America, but in in New York City, there's just a, I just think there's a, there's a, Broad, much broader acceptance of all different kinds of expressions of gender. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, do you have a sense that, like, fifty years from now or a hundred years from now, this will have changed uh, our like humanity in a certain way, or or you don't? Mm. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's sort of, that's sort of not, I think it change my humanity. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think, I think people, I think humanity in some ways, is, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, I think that it's a great thing that young people have are thinking in this very, very um, open way about gender and sexuality. Um, people, our, our kids' age, um, I think that is very liberating and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I guess I okay. think that I think I guess I think that as a feminist, um, you know, I don't want to be defined by my body, and so I want um, other people to be able to, you know, have their own self de- definition as well. I think that's where I come down on it. Mm. Um, um, 
Interesting. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's certainly shaking up things in the, in the, in certain parts of the Protestant church in interesting ways too. Um, um, I think the whole, the whole redefinition of gender or the, the different way we look at gender is, is really shaking up all kinds of, all kinds of um, paradigms and ways of looking at things that we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the binary, you know, the, I, I think one thing when I was talking about the, um, yeah, uh, the collective unconscious and young, what, you know, so much of that um, framework is feminine masculine, right? Um, a lot of dark light, like there's a lot of binaries that kind of go into the understanding of fairy yeah, tales yeah, and, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and myths and religions. Yeah. And um, I, I, I just, maybe I've changed a lot and I, I find that binary sometimes um, not as helpful or not meaning, not as meaningful, I guess is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I find myself when, when I'm reading something or listening to something that is in that Jungian framework, well, what you're saying, this is the masculine side, well, the anim, what is it, the animus that is the masculine? Well, what is that? What does that really mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, what is it? The anima? I, I can't remember. <laughs> but, you know, it's, but it's definitely the masculine side. Of the you know, there are things that are identified with those with those two genders. And um, it made me wonder about, um, are there any queer Jungians? Is there a queer Jungian school? Um, I'd be interested to know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, another part of it is that there there is a a running debate in the feminist uh, movement, you know, about about the third wave and where the third wave of feminism has taken us. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm not. I think we're we're in in a in different, you know, we have different points of view. And that may be simply that you're in, in, you know, in Brooklyn and I'm in Miami. I don't know. <laughs> Might be. I know, right? But <laughs> but I I I have felt that the third wave of feminism, uh, kind of like you know, bypassed and bypassed womanhood, right? And um, I thought the third wave of feminism should have been the mothers' liberation movement, and you know, the mothers, uh, let's say. Um, fo- focused on motherhood and hmm. and um, instead it kind of like you know gave patriarchy permission to um, to you know allow like to allow everyone <laughs> it gave patriarchy permission to allow everyone so long as they're not mothers <laughs> um, you know to be to be like uh, to enter feminism as women hmm. right so I don't know. I think that you know there are definitely the interests of billions of women in the world um, that feminists have you know forgotten in this pursuit of you know making women like equal to men um, in the workplace. You know, but the price mm-hmm. that, that is like condoning that we paid was condoning this like. Um, devaluation, you know, fragmentation of like the motherhood you know the the work of of like procreation you know like se- separating mother mother and child uh from basically like you know f- from the egg stage <laughs> you know with mm-hmm. like uh, egg donors to you know the birth stage surrogacy and you know and so on and so forth and making all that like normal um in the name of feminism just seems in and in exchange for money, you know. So like mm-hmm. in exchange for a job that you know women get to do, uh, or for money like if, for, for surrogacy, and it just seems all of it um, mm-hmm. is you know 
is morally dubious to me. You know, there is a part of me that feels that, you know, we are being co-opted uh, because we got, you know, we kind of like got stuck in the, in the definition of gender, 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 which is the social, right, the cultural gender, mm -hmm. and haven't like moved forward mm -hmm. to, um, to like, well, you it, know, the, the motherhood part of womanhood, basically. Mm -hmm. And the word woman now is moot, right? So it, it can be a trans man. Uh, that's mm -hmm. not what, what mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And I wonder uh, how that connects to, um, you know, the sort of critique of the third wave as being too white focused, and too focused on white people and not, yeah, and um, all these not like, embracing not embracing um, yeah um, people of color and like all these fights I mean mm -hmm. I don't know you know I left academia you are you know bravely still in it um, <laughs> and, and wisely you know but both <laughs> but but like uh, that you know f fighting over um you know, minute, you know, minute differences in, like, you know, lexicon and discourse, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I, I do I do think language is really important, of course, because as a writer, I definitely mm -hmm. think that's really important. Mm -hmm. But but the, um, it is, it, I do, it is, it can be really hard to, I mean, I think we're, fighting with each other instead of fighting yeah. um the the patriarchy <laughs> the future yeah. is 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 really um sometimes hard and then i think you know when there's so much of a focus on um not actually looking for the right language necessarily but using the language that has been mm. sanctioned mm. i think that like, leads to a lot of jargon and it leads to a lot of then then eventually that word doesn't mean anything like what does the word mm -hmm. privilege mean right now like it mean, we, we use that word so often it doesn't it's starting to lose mm. the meaning that we needed it to have in the beginning or you know that i just think that happens a lot and we have to you know it's, it's partly the writer's job to keep refining the language and keep asking questions and keep saying, well, what does this really mean? What are we, what mm -hmm. are we doing with it? Mm -hmm. um, and um, I mean, that's where the, where academia can sometimes be like the church in that it's mm. <laughs> dogma. Mm. And, um, and I think it's the writers, the artist's job to ask the questions and not, you know, to ask mm -hmm. the questions and, and sort of, you know, poke at the dogma and make us rethink things. Um, and yeah. um yeah so. so what do you think uh, like the place of you know writing is in our culture now what do you think is happening i mean it, it's so changed from when like you know when, when you and i first met <laughs> let's say yeah that, yeah <laughs> until now uh, what, by writing um by writing what do you mean do you mean literature or do you mean just being uh, everybody being able to write and and communicate something. Well, I think they've become indistinguishable, right? Because who who can tell what literature is anymore? Like they, they, well, they, I guess uh -huh. yeah. I guess I'm well. I'm thinking, you know, um, I'm thinking partly as a professor, like our um, creative writing students have plenty of work because there's so much writing that is needed in the world right now, like just mm -hmm. professionally mm -hmm. there's um, to be able to, you know, because there's, because of the internet and, um, and social media, there's such a need for people who can communicate um, and think about communication. But I think that's different from poetry and novels and, um, Usually, I mean, I guess there are people who there are people who use those who use social media to write poems sometimes, um, but usually they're different categories. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, honestly, I think um, literature is a place where a lot of people are going for this spiritual 
are what we pe people used to go to looking for um, when, when people were looking for meaning in um, you know in somebody you know in grief or in in, in any kind of major life transition, you know, when people used to go to the church just automatically. Mm -hmm. I think that, mm -hmm. as I was saying before, I think that, that that impulse is still there in most people. But I think it, it I think now for some people that goes that has moved to literature. Um, you know, have you this is sort of a cliche but at this point, but how many times have you heard the poet Mary Oliver quoted in some kind of spiritual context, you know? Um, you know, that is particularly that one line, um, you know, uh, which I probably can't, I'm not going to get right, but what will you do with your one wild, what is it? Wild, wild and, and anyway, I don't have the line, but it's, 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 um, you know, she's quoted a lot. I think that, um, for, you know, for serious literature, that's, and, you know, maybe that's always been the case. That, that there's been this connection between um, spiritual longing and wanting to read and just to, you know, to kind of reframe your, you know, as a way to think through what's happening in your life, how to make sense of your loss, how to make sense of the changes mm -hmm. that are going on, how to make sense of the world, how to make sense of your, your relationship to your neighbor, um, all of those things. Yeah. But I'm not saying it's, you know, I'm not saying it's <laughs> doing great. I'm not saying, you know, that, that, that you know, I think that's a, probably a small percentage of the population that is reading that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just feel that, you know, writer's relationship to writing has changed so much and that, uh, you know, again, like, you know, where I came from, before I came to America, uh, there was no way to get paid for your writing. <laughs> so it was kind of like a non sequitur. Like if you, mm -hmm. unless you had family, some sort of family support, you would get a job and write, you know, mm -hmm. at night or something. Um, mm -hmm. So again, it's only like a symptom of the last whatever, you know, since the 50s, I guess, and the GI Bill especially. Um, and meanwhile, like we're reading more than ever. I mean, if you add into it like the stuff that people read in the, you know, in the news sites and on their mm -hmm. emails and the, mm -hmm. you know, like newsletters and mm -hmm. whatever, yeah. all the apps on top of reading like books and then listening to books and right. So mm -hmm. nevertheless, it seems to all um yeah mm -hmm. it seems to all want to make a difference very consciously in in a way that like it wasn't so uh you know loudly uh, proclaimed before and and mm. not make a difference in reality so it feels to me like a lot of uh you know wading in circles <laughs> In mm -hmm. like water, <laughs> mm. um, yeah. So uh, it, it's interesting. It's uh, I mean, it's it's interesting. I think that's that's the moment that that we're in, um, mm -hmm. and it feels like you know it's kind of like a that we're at the crossroads. But you know, hopefully, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, you're working on another, you, well, your, your son now is a, you mentioned is an adult, so he's going to college, which is a huge <laughs> mo yes. moment in a mother's life. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes, he's, he's going to college in two months. Yeah. Um, I can't, I haven't quite wrapped my head around it. Um, yeah. Speaking of major life changes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he's going to college and, um, he's, I wish, you know, he's, he's a wonderful young man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's curious, very, you know, very, very emotional, I would say very emotionally intelligent. Um, and, um, 
I'm, you know, I'm excited. I'm, on the one hand, I'm very excited for him to be, you know, I've been having these longings to go back to college myself. <laughs> and on the one hand, I'm very excited for him. And on the other hand, of course, I'm sad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 How, did, how did you, how did you find that when, when, when your daughter went to college? And by the way, mm-hmm. he's going to the same college. Uh, yeah, that your <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> well, I love that. So that's a good place. Um, yeah, it was it was hard. It was. Um, um, yeah. Um, it was just a you know it it definitely feels you know it registers on the psychic level like a loss you know so yeah like we both you and I both lost our fathers uh, this year yeah. um, and uh, or within the year and um, that's a, a a huge loss um, but the way that you know I process it is similar because it's kind of a day to day thing you know so um, I. Miss my dad day to day a lot, but mm-hmm. I keep, you know, I I don't quite understand what it means that you know I'll never see him again. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, with with uh, my daughter, I missed her equally a lot, you know, and it, I knew it was part of my job to just like leave her alone, right? But, I yeah. mean, she'd never even gone to camp. Uh, we always vacationed together. So we had been inseparable. Wow. We, wow. Other than, like, a couple of sleepovers she had with local friends here. Because uh, her friends wanted to come to our house always. So, basically, we were, in, you know, inseparable. I was a single mom. So, it was a, you know, big uh, psychic, like, um, shock to the system. Um, because... I had made that a priority. So my life choices kind of revolved around her for, mm-hmm. you know, 18 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, in a way they still do, but it's just a different, you know, lifestyle. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, yeah, so life, life had to change. And did you feel like you were somehow... I guess my, one question I have is: Will will I feel? I'm wondering if some of my my um, sense of freedom and um, the, just the way I thought I thought of myself before I became a mother. I wonder if that's going to be coming back, or if it's just going to be a completely different thing. You know yeah. that, that it's yeah. I mean, for, <clears throat> for me, it initially, initially, it came back, like, I immediately started the podcast, you know, and I was, like, able to talk about sex again, which I had, mm-hmm. you know, I had self-censored all these years, because I didn't want, like, other parents and kids to, in some way, like, um, you know, whatever, yeah. just discriminate against my baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so so th- that definitely happened. It was, like, almost you know, adolescent in like, oh, you know, me too just happened and I'm like home alone and I get to do this. Um, but, you know, it's the, like the, the, they are, you know, they're very present. So there's always, you know, like in my head, I thought, oh, I'll just go, you know, back to how things were. But of course I can't because she needs to have a place to go to for vacations, she needs to have a place where her staff lives and where her mm-hmm. like dog live, dogs live, and where, right? So for her own like sanity, I need to keep holding the same fort that you know. Otherwise, like I would just, you know, like dissolve. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I don't know when that happens, you know, um, and and you know w- when when that's no longer needed, if, if ever. I don't know. I'm, I'm finding that out in real time. I thought, you know. <laughs> um, right. We, we need it's it much a more. Yeah, it's a, it's a slow process, you know, and this generation is, you know, like my, our generation, or at least the friends I, ha- I have had, you know, couldn't wait to leave home and like mm-hmm. never go back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, visit, but like never. But this generation is not like that. So, you know, all of her friends, you know, they all kind of like are very, you know, attached to home and homebound. And then COVID exacerbated that even more. 
um, mm-hmm. with the yeah with the lockdowns. So and I you know I don't believe in legal marriage, so I don't even want her to get married. <laughs> uh, I mean, she'll do whatever she wants. But my point is, I don't even know. Like looking in the future. You know, in the in the old days, one would say, "Well, she's gonna get married, you know, and have her family." And and now I'm like, "Well, I, you know, I don't really wish that for her." So I don't know. It's just unknown <laughs> how things <Yeah>. will change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, which I guess is exciting. Yeah, it's um, nice. It's I, I do I do think it's it's wonderful that we're not like repeating the same old, you know, like tropes of of the past. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel very close to my son, too. And I think that um, I hope we'll continue to have that closeness even as he goes off to college. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, too, you know, thought of going back to, I mean, I have I have been thinking about it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I've just I been know. sort of fantasizing about like Me how too. fun it would be to, to, to be like in seminars again. And, Me too. You know, just exploring. I mean, you could tell from all of the things I said, I guess today, like I'm interested in all of these big areas of thought that I yeah. want to learn more about. And, um, you know, I'm coming at them as, from the perspective of a writer. So I have, you know, all my reading and, and, and writing experience behind me, but I, but I haven't fully, um, explored a lot. I mean, I still want to learn a lot. So, yeah, me so, too. So, that, so when you when you go to visit these colleges and you see all the things that you could study and, you know, all these wonderful professors that, you know, your child might get to study with, it's hard not to be envious. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been thinking, I mean, I haven't actually applied to it, so I haven't gone that far. <laughs> I, think, I think you'll get in. <laughs> I know, but I'm thinking like, oh, philosophy, divinity school. I mean, divinity school. I'm right? very attracted to divinity school. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> maybe we'll end up. To, maybe we'll end up classmates. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Life goals. <laughs> We're gonna be roommates in college. <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> perfect <laughs> yeah uh, anyway well good good so th- this was nice and I think we we you know covered a lot and we managed to come to a happy ending of like an open ending anyway yeah, I have yeah. A, an open ending of like promise and you know and hope <laughs> yeah yeah, and and questions and asking lots of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you, well, thank you for thank coming. You. On thank you, thank you. It's so so much. Just a, just a pure joy to talk to you mm. uh, as always. As always, you too. As always, and uh, everyone out there, thank you for staying with us one more week. And until next week, keep speaking sex. I could make love incessantly, I would be God.